Uh, I, my, I'm originally from a little village called Moneymore. Now live in Tuppermore, and uh, we're always looking for more where we're from. Uh, we're never content with what we have, and sometimes that is true in our lives, isn't it? Like we're, we're, we're terrible people for sometimes being ungrateful for the blessings that we do receive. Back in 1983, although I was a child, I trusted the Lord, but back in 1983, I got raped by the Lord. And then in 1984, I just travelled to Edinburgh to go to Bible College at the Faith Mission. And I was there for two years. And then for a few years after that, I worked with the Faith Mission before I was married, up and around the Highlands of Scotland, and then down into Beath and Barmill, down into Ayrshire. Uh, which were quite difficult days, uh, quite hard times. People were very little interested in the gospel, uh, and uh, and that was that was back in '97. And then in '98, I got married to a Yorkshire lady, and we went to work in, down in Plymouth with the Faith Mission. We were there for three years, and uh, so the two of us were down there together. And then in 2000, 2001, the Lord called us out of the Faith Mission, and we went back to Ireland. To, and I went back as an evangelist with the Christian Workers Union. And then we were in that work for about six years, and then the Lord called us into the pastorate. And we were in the pastorate for about roughly six years. And, uh, and then just last January, the Lord called us out of the pastorate, and we stepped down at the end of May. And we really were uncertain as to what the Lord had for our lives. And sometimes, sometimes God does take us in pathways, and he doesn't show us three months or two months ahead. It's just one step at a time. And for us, we were uncertain, and it was a waiting period, and I was informed about the work of Gospel Mission of South America, which you know more about than I did then, uh, but I knew very little about the work of GMSA, I'd only met one missionary, and at that stage it just didn't connect at all, And uh, but the... the, the as many of you know, Pauline was wanting to retire and had been looking and I heard this morning that you'd been praying that someone would raise up someone to replace Pauline and uh, so we met with the council and then in, just in February of this year uh, we were accepted and began the work of GMSA as the General Secretary for UK and Ireland uh, in the 1st of May of this year. So, as already has been intimated, there's loads of information over here at the side. Uh, our latest prayer news, if you haven't got this, I'm not sure, because I had sent out a whole pile of prayer letters. Maybe your name was on that list, and you got one of these letters. If you didn't get one of these letters, and you'd like to know more about the work, or you'd like to keep in contact with the work, there's a wee slip at the bottom, and you put your name and address, and you can either post that to me, or else you can put an email on there, but you get it back to me, and then you'll be, if you're on the mail list, mail list you'll stay on the mail list, or if you want to join on the mail list and receive News. Now we're not going to bombard you with stuff, so we're not going to be putting stuff through your letterbox. And another thing we're not doing is we're not be begging you for money, because that's not what I'm about, and I don't really believe that's what the work of GMSA is about. But we are pleading for is that people would stand with us in prayer, and that God would raise up more and more prayer warriors for the work of GMSA. Uh, you can do it that way as well if you want to put your name on the list and so forth. But I'll tell you a bit more about that in a moment or two. Let me try and go through this wee presentation. Can you all see it all right now? Uh, it's a bad job if you couldn't for a a lot, of people, a lot of people ask different questions about the work of GMSA and the work of Gospel Mission. Some people have different questions, people have different ideas, different thoughts, and they don't really know a whole pile. So I'm aware that for many of you good people, you are aware of GMSA. Some of you have supported Pauline for numerous years, so a lot of this stuff might be repetitive. But I get I be asked a lot of questions, and one of the questions I'm asked is very simply, who are we? Well, for, us to under, for you to try and understand better who we are, I really need to take you on a long journey. And that journey is really moving from where we are presently, right across the Atlantic Ocean, right across that wee dot, to a place called the Big Apple, New York. 
And back in the year 1923, a man called Mr. William Strong was called of God to serve the Lord in Chile, but not specifically, not broadly just throughout the whole of Chile, but to work specifically with the soldiers in getting gospel, the gospel into the, in the army camps and so forth. And so he was invited to go and share about the work of GMSA. So in 1923, along with his family, William Strong sailed from New York to Chile with the call of God upon his life because he was so enthused with reaching these folk with the gospel. Then the mission was known as Soldiers and Gospel Mission of South America. That's how it was then known as. Presently, the word soldiers has been dropped because laterally before, just uh, really the work of working with the soldiers was passed on to the Gideons and the, the mission still felt compelled to reach the people of Chile because God had burdened the people of Chile uh, with a heart of, uh, for the, uh, the missionary, the mission for the work of the people of Chile. 37 years after Mr. Strong went to Chile, he died in the train giving out gospel tracts and he was very much involved in evangelism to his very day and day just literally on a train he passed away well, our mission works, as you know, in Chile, in Chile, Uruguay, and Argentina, reaching with a possible reaching the population of 63.1 million people. Now, in Northern Ireland and Scotland and England and Wales, now I know there's a wee way there, you boys in Scotland wanted to come out of the UK. I know that. I don't know, uh, remember a few weeks ago there was this whole big thing going on. But uh, within, those, within Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales, there is 73.1 million people. So that's our population. But in, for these three countries, there's 63.1 million people. We have 44 full-time missionaries. Some of those are working on the field and some of them are classed as supportive roles. And for example, my wife and I are classed as those are involved in supporting roles, although we are classed as being full-time with the mission and five-time part, five serving the Lord on a part-time basis. What is our purpose? Well, primarily, our purpose is the same as the mission. It ought to be the same in our lives. Primarily, it is to glorify God. God. Now not always do our lives glorify God. Sometimes our actions don't always glorify him. Sometimes our words do not always glorify him. And sometimes uh, how we treat other people does not always glorify God. But primarily our goal ought to always be to glorify him. And when we don't glorify him, undoubtedly we thank the Lord that the Spirit of God is alive in our heart. And like the referee who blows the whistle, he reminds us that we've gone wrong, that we've transgressed. And we need to get back. But as to evangelize, to glorify God by evangelizing and primarily to establishing, reproducing churches. Uh, our, uh, part of the co the, that role encompasses reaching men and women and children with the gospel of Christ. Our, our purpose is to see individuals transformed by the spirit of God. To see God building and establishing his church. And to see believers taught and trained how, on how they can reach others effectively. Part of our purpose is a mission. Well, uh, our mission as a whole is really intimated. I want to just take you just very simply across to uh, where our headquarters is at, at in a place called Fort Lauderdale. My wife and I had the privilege of being there back in, in, in July time. We spent a, a few weeks there just really trying to get to know the work and try and understand it. Our headquarters is by no means a flamboyant building, but it meets the needs of the mission. 
and uh, we, this is our headquarters. It's, it's based in quite a, uh, you could say maybe a more of a, a deprived area of Florida. Whenever I initially went to Florida, I was thinking, you know, sometimes we see all these beautiful pictures with all these massive big houses, and but yet uh, you can drive down a street in, in Florida, not far from our headquarters, and one side these like millionaire homes, and then the other side of the street these shanty shacks of things on the other side of the street. And if any of you ever been in Florida, you've seen that for yourself. But while we were there, we were actually in, went along to what they call the candidates course, whereby individuals who are called of God to go and work in these countries, they must do this candidates course. And it, it, sometimes it lasts for three days, sometimes it lasts for five days. It really just all depends and, and so forth. And, 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 but the, some of these people you might already know, for example, the far end, Tom and Debbie Gibbons, they are our director in, in Argentina. Uh, Raul and Jane, this couple here, are, Raul is originally from Argentina, Jane is from America. And I don't know about you, but if you meet folks with a servant's heart, there's something about them that causes you to think that they're, they're so much like Jesus that even just spending time with them, you want to be like them yourself. And for Raul and Jane who work in our in her headquarters and they're just going about the menial tasks like receiving mail and sending back receipts and, and making sure all the missionaries get their support and time and Raul's involved in practical roles. But if I ever met a, a, heart, a couple with a, heart, a servant's heart, it's this couple. And uh, they, literally, there's nothing that you would ask them that they never seem to be able, they never seem to say no. It's just if they can help you, they will help you. And I thought it was a, as a beautiful picture on this couple. Pastor Bill Woods, uh, or sorry, Pastor Bill Park has been the pastor of a church for, was pastor of a church for 42 years till he retired. And now he's involved in interim work whereby he's going to churches. And, uh, but uh, even at this age, uh, he's well over the 60 mark. And uh, even at this age, in fact, he's well over the, he's over the 70 mark because he can no longer be in our council because he's over 70. But he's very much got a heart to right to the days to serve the Lord. I'm going to introduce these other folks, but just in case you're wondering, uh, that's me. Uh, that's me in my summer garb. Uh, and then that's my good wife, the Yorkshire woman. But don't hold that again because she's from England now. So I know I'm Scotland, but uh, we'll see how we get on. Any English folk in this morning? Good to hear you. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Oh, that's powerful. Well, I lived in Mutley Plain, just off Mutley Plain. Yeah, well, the hospital was just off. you could have a wee conversation, couldn't we? Actually, that's great. We'll forget about everybody else in church this morning. These individuals, let me just say again, there's Tom and Debbie Gibbons, directors in Argentina, James and Danielle Morell, and Dathan and Alison Marshall. Dathan and Alison were only married just two years ago, but had been doing short-term trips. And then the Lord called them to serve the Lord full time. So presently they are raising support for raising support before they can go to the field. I'll tell you more about James and Danielle later on. Uh, also while we were there uh, really primarily what the work of GMSA is about is not about North America but it's about these three countries of, of Chile Uruguay and Argentina Uruguay is known as like the Switzerland of, of, of South America because of its size and also because of its high standard of living and uh, I have never to my shame as yet I have never been in these countries uh, but God willing in January I hope to be in Chile for a few weeks just to see the work firsthand. Uh, but Uruguay is a very expensive place and it's very expensive to live in. It's a population of 3.3 million people in this one country alone. 
spiritually there's 66% are Roman Catholic, 31% have no religion whatsoever, 3% are other, and less than 0.5% of 3.3 million people would claim to be evangelical. If you're a mathematician, you can work out what 0.5% of 3.3 million is, and then you'll get a rough idea of what the evangelical population is in South America. Along with Andrea and uh, Sergio Andrea to the right of the picture, these are our missionaries who are serving the Lord on a full-time capacity on the field in Uruguay, and they're serving the Lord. Also in their mission is primarily as, as focuses planting churches, just like as you folks have planted this little fellowship here. Our mission has been involved in, over the years in planting five churches in South America, and also we have a camp centre which entails a whole lot of various things, retreats for parents, retreats for fathers and sons, for married couples, for women retreats, for young adults, various things, but just endeavouring to reach folks and endeavouring to have an opportunity for people to go along and to hear what God God can do in their lives. Also, we work on the country of Chile, which you will have known, found out and know a lot more about because of Pauline, and this is where she has served the Lord for 20 years. Chile, uh, sorry, these are just slipping just a wee bit too fast for me. Uh, Chile is a country uh, spiritually of 70% of Roman Catholic, 15% evangelical, and 15% of all, or 9% are atheist, or of no religion, or agnostic, and no belief in anything whatsoever. As a mission, uh, Curtis and Diane Stewart along with 11 other missionaries uh, are serving the Lord here in a full time capacity, some in camp ministry other in church planting ministry primarily in wanting to see God building his church and establishing it there in that country of Chile uh, we, because of Chile has been the longest serving field of GMSA we have, there's 65 churches that have been planted there and one Bible Institute whereby there are somewhere there is somewhere whereby if, if young men want to know more about leadership and want to know more about the scriptures and want to become poss- a field called to the pastorate there's a place for them to be trained and a place for them to know and to develop and grow and be in the place that they can where they can be able to lead the local church setting. Argentina is another one of our mission fields. We have 14 missionaries who are serving the Lord alongside our field director Tom and Debbie Gibbons and our missionaries who are serving the Lord there are actually, there. I want to introduce you to another young couple who's known as James and Donnell Morell. This is a young couple that we met in, uh, in June time, in June July time, and back in 2009, the Lord called them to serve the Lord in Argentina. God gave the call of God came upon their lives, but they only actually got to the mission field on the 1st of October of this year, just a few days ago. You can see a little tribe of a family that they've got, and uh, six in all, uh, eight of them as a family. And initially, whenever God called them, the, this last little one wasn't born, so initially they were heading out as seven. But then whenever they eventually got to the field, they become seven, grew to eight. And, uh, and, and I don't know about you, but if you've ever moved home, I hear someone has moved into the area here. Well, if you've ever moved house, you'll know what that's like, just maybe moving from maybe 20 miles to here or 30 miles to here. Whenever my wife and I moved from Plymouth back to Ireland, it was like a little bit of a process whereby it was a few runs. But it was virtually not, not a big difference in culture. No issues with language, no issues with any of these things. But the fact was, this young couple are leaving North America 
America heading to South America where they speak English in North America and Spanish in South America Donnell will be responsible for teaching our children because they're not able just to go into main school, main, mainstream schooling uh, so she will be teaching the children if you would pray for them we would really would appreciate that I know they would value your prayers uh, for James, he's involved in, in a ministry whereby he'll be involved in, 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 uh, in seeing the camp centre develop in Argentina. They're endeav- endeavouring to build a new uh, accommodation blocks that have not yet been built uh, at our camp centre. So he'll be looking over that as well as being involved in church planting. But Danielle will be very much a home bird. Her sole responsibility is, is like any mother in looking after children and seeing them develop and praying for them and encouraging them. Now I listen to their testimony. Testimonies in June time and James and Danelle. Danelle is extremely nervous and very feels at times very overwhelmed and uh, really just, uh, I suppose in many ways, they're excited but extremely nervous. And if you could remember this couple, their names are in the back of a little sheet, a uh, little prayer sheet that we've, that we've left across here. And, and if you'd like to, they're just on this little part here. And if you'd like to remember them in your prayers, I know that they would greatly, greatly appreciate it. As a country in Argentina, uh, our missionaries have been involved in, in planting churches to which there's 12 presently with one camp centre, which is an ongoing development. We've, we've got a piece of ground. They're able to purchase a piece of ground and that has been developed. But, but so far, it has been in the process of being there for six years. But there hasn't been any camps held on it yet because we haven't got any accommodation blocks. And there's a team going down from North America just next month. At the end of this month, beginning next month and they're going to begin the work on building building accommodation blocks so then that we'll be able to bring children and young people along. We've won Bible Institute where young men and women are being trained and are being taught in the word of God. Also, can I just say to you where Argentina is concerned and where these countries are concerned, we really do appreciate your prayers and appreciate your support in the past. We know that there's been a very strong link with Pauline and we trust that that will continue. But most of all, that you would, that if God lays this work in your heart and these countries in your heart, that, if you, that you would remember, we're not here and I'm not here to try and take somebody else's place. If you're praying for other missionaries and other mission organizations, that's absolutely brilliant. And I wouldn't dare to think, say, look, put a line through them and start remembering us. That's not what we're doing. But if God places us, the work of GMSA, on your heart, as I know he has done for some, then it's our prayer that you would, just, that you would pray for our missionaries who are laboring and who are serving within the field of GMSA. Coming back home to, the, to this part of the country, over this is my wife and I, and uh, we have no family except two dogs. Uh, we have two springly springers, mother and a daughter, and the mother was mad, but the daughter's even madder. And, uh, and so my wife has been left at home. Uh, she works in a special needs school as a classroom assistant. And so going to work in the morning and then coming home and walking the two mad dogs, uh, she'll be glad to see me home because I can sort of relieve her of some of those responsibilities. But we're responsible for the work of General Secretary for UK and Ireland, and our work is really com- um, co- um, 
encompasses the whole of what you see inside this circle. And uh, so it's our responsibility to promote the work. Uh, that's really what, what our, the purpose of GMSA that they've asked me to do is promote the work of GMSA throughout the UK and Ireland to encourage believers to pray for the millions who have not yet heard the gospel in South America and who need to be reached with the gospel. And also pray that God would meet the needs of the mission uh, via their missionaries and also the projects that God would supply. And thank God he does supply. If you'd like to know more, as our sister intimated, there's ample information across here. And I'm not going to go uh, we're going to recap and all that. If you want to check out our webpage, it's very simple. Those of you who are surfers of the internet, uh, gmsa.org. Or if you want to sign up for a mailing list, then please do so. There's information across here. It's uh, I know uh, the Balamina people uh, are, are sort of people. I'm not from Balamina, but I don't live too far from Balamina. And Balamina people like everything for free. They don't like to pay for anything. They want it for free. So uh, I'm informed Scottish people like things for free. I don't know if that information is correct or not. I don't know that. But what I can say is everything on that table is absolutely free of charge. And uh, if you would like to take someone and literature and would like to know some more about the work, please do indeed. And God bless you and thank you for your patience this morning. Thank you very much indeed. We're going to read this morning from the book of Proverbs. And if you've got a Bible... But let's read from Proverbs. Now, I am reading from the authorised. You may be reading from another version, so you maybe have, I don't know whether you're, but we'll try and see how we get on. And if you are following, and maybe you find it a wee bit hard to follow, please do forgive me. But let's read from verse 15 of chapter 29 of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 15. And Solomon writes these words in verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest, yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. A servant will not be corrected by words, for though he understand, he will not answer. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. He that delicately bringeth up a servant from a child, shall have him become a son at length. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honour shall uphold the humble in spirit. We'll end our reading there at verse 23 and we know that God will bless his word to our hearts. So we'll just ask the Lord for a bit of help. Uh, we need a lot of help as we turn around his word today. So let's just take a wee moment just to pray and ask God's help today upon us. Father we thank you for already that all that has taken place. We thank you for this fellowship of your people. We thank you Lord for this privilege of being able to sit around your word and to share from it and we pray that you would use it today for your glory and for your honour to touch our hearts because we acknowledge Lord that we are like unfinished projects Uh, we know that you've begun a work in us but we thank that the work that you've begun you will also complete you will finish and so ultimately Lord we are we are an ongoing work uh, and, and Lord we acknowledge that although it only took you six days to make the world and, uh, and you did it by the word of your power, Lord. For us, you've been working on us an awful lot longer. And it's not because, Lord, of the lack of your power. Often it's just simply because of our unwillingness to yield and follow after you. 
So today, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. You'll challenge us and you'll indeed draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The year was 1963 and the date was the 28th of August. The speaker in question was a man called Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King stood on the 28th of August 1963 and he made this, well, he, more or less, he declared this statement. He proclaimed this great speech and he said, I have a dream. A dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slave owners and the sons of former the, the sons of former slave owners and the sons of slave owners will be able to sit down at the table of show, uh, table of brotherhood. He said, "I have a dream that my four children will one day be able to live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character." He went on to say that when we let freedom reign, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up the day when all of God's children will be able to sing the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And for Martin Luther King, this man had a vision, and his vision was a very simple one. It wouldn't matter if you were black or you're white, or any other color for that matter. His prayer was, his vision was, that undoubtedly one day, that man would be judged not by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. And in many ways we could say that that vision has been fulfilled, it's still being fulfilled, but it has been fulfilled in many, many countries today. Because this, not because this man made this great statement, but because of how society has moved on, but undoubtedly this statement had something to go toward it. Vision is something that is very, is very essential in all of our lives. If a man is in business, a man, if he wants his business to prosper, he needs a vision as to where his business is going to go and the areas he wants to take it down and the, the, where, he wants to, where he wants it to blossom and areas where he has to cut back on, areas that need to be trimmed so that he can see his business going and the way he wants it to go. But whenever we come into the church, vision is something that we cannot energize ourselves, but vision is something that we can only receive from God. And vision is something that we need in the, in the family of God as to see what God wants us to do. The area that God wants us to go down. The road that God wants us to travel. Because sometimes, you know, there's times that we want to do our things and go our way. And God says, but your way is not my way. And your thoughts are not my thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And God says, now listen, you need my vision, you need to see what I want you to do, and then you need to do it. And I have learned in Christian work, and I've been in, well, I've been in Christian work now for just short of 20 years. I went to Bible college, I was speaking at the Faith Mission Bible College there, and, 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 and Wednesday morning passed. And really this time, 20 years ago, I was sitting in that class, for the, uh, and I was just starting off my two-year term uh, 20 years ago. And little did I know that 20 years later I'd be back speaking to students and just sharing a little of my experience of what life has been like and, and what college life has been like for me. But can I say something to you? Wherever we are along life's journey, for those of us who are the children of the Lord, vision is what one preacher said is looking at life through the lenses of God's eye. A man called Chuck Swindle, I don't know if you listen to Chuck or not, but you, sometimes you get him on the radio back home in Northern Ireland, but Chuck Swindle said, vision is essential for survival. It is spawned by faith, it's sustained by hope, it's sparked by imagination, it's strengthened by enthusiasm, it's greater than sight, it's deeper than a dream and it's broader than an idea. 
He said, vision encompasses vast feasts outside the realm of the predictable, the safe and the expected. He said, no wonder, he said, we perish without vision. And undoubtedly, God has given you good folk a vision to be here. That's why you're here, because God unburdened your heart for this area. But God just doesn't burden our heart for one thing. But God undoubtedly broadens our vision as to what he wants us to do in a particular area. How he wants us to reach people. How he wants us to win people. What do I believe is essential for the church and what's essential for our lives today? Three things I believe are essential where vision is concerned. I believe what we need a fresh vision of is a fresh vision of the Lord. L-O-R-D. A fresh vision of our Lord. Now if you were to go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 6, you'll know in Isaiah chapter 6 that Isaiah had, 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 that was the call of God came upon Isaiah's life. You remember Isaiah said, the Lord spoke, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah replied, Lord, here am I, send me. And he knew that God had called him to task. But prior to that, in the early part of chapter 6, we're told in verse 1, it says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Or I had a vision of the Lord. Now what is significant about the year the king Uzziah dies and seeing the Lord? What's, what is special? What is significant? Why does it be that God gives Isaiah this, this vision, or he sees the Lord in this particular year that this man king Uzziah dies? Well, theologians and Old Testament theologians as historians will tell you that King Uzziah was a very good king in Israel. He reigned for 52 years. And not just he reigned for 52 years, but he was a, he was a king that, that was very kind and generous to Israel as a nation. The people were blessed under his authority and under his leadership. In fact, they had many blessings that other nations never enjoyed. And I tried to imagine what was it like for Isaiah. And what was he thinking? Because Isaiah, the people of Israel were very much in the heart of Isaiah. God had undoubtedly put the people of Israel right into his very heart. So he cared for their well-being. He cared for their future. He was concerned as to what was going to happen to them. It, it, it concerned him if, if Israel wasn't walking with God. Because he would spoke out against their wrongdoing. But it was because he wanted them to, to know God and to enjoy the blessings of God. So I try to imagine to myself, what was, might have been going through the mind of Isaiah in the year that King Uzziah died. And a few things came to my mind. If something, a tragedy happens in your life or circumstances change to such a degree, what is the natural thing for us to do? Now I don't know what it's like for you dear people of Scotland, but for myself personally and for my wife of whom I can speak of, and for us as individuals, sometimes we instantly start to panic. And we start to worry. And we start to fret and we start to think. And possibly I was thinking to myself, you mean, what was it? Maybe for Isaiah, he was in, he followed this mood of, of panicking. Or, or, because what's going to happen to Israel if a new king comes? What if he treats Israel a lot different to how this man, King Uzziah, has treated the people? And, and maybe like Isaiah and like us, we have a tendency of building bridges where God never intended bridges to be built. And sometimes we are, we think that we're going to have to go a certain road and over a certain valley and, and we're trying to build and we're, we're instantly panicking about the future and wondering, well how is that problem going to be solved and how that problem is going to be resolved and Lord and what about that issue and what about this thing and God teaches us just as God taught Isaiah a very simple but a very important lesson. You know what the lesson was? Isaiah in all times trust in me. 
You don't know what the future is, Isaiah, and you don't know who the next king will be, but the scripture says that God goes the kings even in the palm of his hand. And for Isaiah, he had to learn this very all-important lesson. Isaiah, don't worry about the future, but trust me today. Now I don't know about you dear folks in new beginnings this morning but, but this, I want to say to you this that if you know Christ today and, and even when sometimes even when we are Christ and we can be Christ for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years 20 years, 30 years, 40 years there are still those times when because of the old natural man we have a tendency to panic to fret and to worry and to be anxious the scripture tells us we're to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication let your request be made known unto the Father but even though the Lord says that we're not to be anxious, we're selling. And we're sometimes we're worrying about the future. And Lord, now, uh, what about this problem? What about this matter? And Lord, I don't know how this problem is going to be resolved. And God says, listen, you don't need to worry about resolving that problem because you need to leave that with me and trust me in this situation. Tell me today, is your trust in God? Oh yes, Nigel, my trust, but is it really in God? Or is there something you're anxious and fearful and worrying about when God says, listen, we're to worry about nothing. We're not to take any thought for lives, what we shall eat or drink or what we shall put on. For your heavenly Father knoweth all that you've need of. Everything. He says, now today, you've got to trust now. I don't know the outcome of the rest of this day. I don't know the outcome of tomorrow. Last winter, a very last year, whenever I was in between, uh, say in between, I stepped down from the pastorate at the 1st of May and by stepping down from the pastorate my wife and I walked away from a house that was paid for, bills that were paid for, a, more, uh, a, a salary and everything and, uh, because we believed that our time had come to an end and uh, we very much, it was just a step of faith for we, I had no job to go to I had a, 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 we had a wee house that had a mortgage to pay for and uh, so we were uncertain of the future and uh, so the first few months I spent trying to put our wee house somehow we, we had a wee house in Tubbermore which we'd rented out so it needed a wee bit of work done to it so I had used my time to try and do these jobs there's still a numerous jobs that need to be finished is any of you men good at starting jobs not finishing them uh, and the wife has all these uh, and when is that go- when is them blinds going to be up uh, how long is them blinds going to sit in that corner for she'll tell me uh, are they, uh, did we buy them six months ago to sit there to sort of just, just say, and I'll say, Aye, they're, they're going to go up someday they are darling, but we'll get there uh, so anyway but cut a long story short anyway uh, it, it, we, I was involved and then just whatever preaching came in we took it and it was just literally hand to mouth and uh, and God had to teach us this lesson now you've got to learn just that if, I, if you're going to trust me I'll meet your need so my wife said well if things get really bad we can live on beans and toast beans and toast well I said well darn we can, if we can get the mortgage and our bills paid we can survive on beans and toast can I tell you something from I left Anaki in May till I took up the role on the 1st of April or the 1st of May uh, and all that time there was we had no salary except my wife's wee salary came in from work but me personally as a man of the house never once did I have beans and toast never once but one day I was walking out of the back of the house and, and it was during the, just coming the winter time and I was trying to be miserable and uh, the wife likes to stay warm but I was sort of thinking about the oil and you know, the oil tank is going to have to be filled up with oil and, 
and I went out to buy the back of the house and I was walking and she said, I wonder, how, am I, how are we going to get money to pay for this oil bill? Because I know I'm going to have to order oil, but I know I don't have a whole pile of money to pay for this oil bill. And I started building bridges and how I was going to try and work myself around to solve this issue. And God rebuked me. And God says, Nigel, stop worrying and stop fretting. Have I ever failed you in the past? And why should I fail you now? Let me say to you a second, not just do we need a fresh vision of the Lord, but I believe we need a fresh vision of the lost. There's a church down in, 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 in uh, Leicester area, uh, the name of it has just slipped my mind, but above the church door there is this big plaque, and whenever you walk out through the church, back out home again, it says on the plaque above the door, you now enter your mission field. You see, for many of us, we might never have the privilege of walking on Chile, the grounds of Chile or Argentina or Uruguay, because that's not where God has called us to serve him. But the minute you walk out this door to this community, it's to this people God has called you. It's this people that have that will will you stand will you be in here to worship the blinds we still be closed and bedroom windows and people have no interest in coming to the house of God. It's to this people we need God to impart a vision and a burden for because this is the people to whom God has placed us among and this is the people we want to reach. Some of those people are our family. Some of those people are our children. Some of those people are brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandchildren. And they may not necessarily live in this little community, but they are our family. And today they may never, the last thing in their minds is going to the house of God. The last thing on a Sunday is going to church. Because why would I go to church? You have no interest in church. And we need God to, to burden our hearts of flesh for our families. There's a story told in Mark's Gospel with this man who, who, to whom Jesus touched his eyes. And the scripture says when the Savior spat upon his eyes and touched him, the, the, Jesus asked the man, said, what do you see? And in reply, the man says in Mark 8, he says, I see as men, men as trees. So the fact was that he says very simply, he talks about the fact that uh, he says, I see, men, I see men as trees walking. So one preacher puts it this way, it was the fact that just as trees sway in the wind, so this man couldn't distinguish between the trees and people. Couldn't distinguish between the two, two, two things. So just as trees sway in the wind, so as people move, this man, although he's received a touch from God, for, from the Savior, he still couldn't see the way God wanted him to see. But the wonderful thing I find is that God didn't leave him in this state. Now I don't need glasses yet, but my wife needs glasses. Just the other week, she had to go and look for a new pair of glasses because she said, I'm not seeing clearly, and she had an appointment. She says, I need to do one. I says, why not, darling? She says, because I'm afraid in case they say I have to buy a new pair of glasses. And she says, I don't really want to buy a new pair of glasses because I've had these ones three years. And she says, darling, but there's no good in you keeping them glasses for three years. Another three years, if in three years' time your eyes are twice as bad as they are presently, you've got to make sure that you can see properly or else your glasses are useless and for this man really by this receiving one touch from God and seeing partially really it was not what God intended what God intended was that this man might see clearly and for some of us and now that we've received you could say a touch from God and that that we have received salvation I trust this morning that you know Christ as your saviour but if you, if you receive salvation but for many of us 
I said, we're, we need a second touch from God. And I said, Lord, I need you to open my eyes spiritually that I may see men who are lost in their sin. And Lord, you may not call me to foreign fields. You may not call me to South America or to Asia or Africa. But the reality is, Lord, here I'm going out into the community. And Lord, I'm being honest with you, Lord. And I, and I have realized this. That it's time that we just be honest with God. Because God sees my heart anyway. You know, I can say what I want to the elders in the fellowship here. And I can make it sound good. But they can't see my heart. God sees my heart. So I can be honest and I can say, look God, you know I'm your child. But Lord, I've been honest with you and saying, I'm living among people. And I have my own family. And Lord, I'm not burdened for them, Lord. And I'm not concerned for them. And I need you to help me to see people the way you see them. My time is gone. But I'll just leave you a last little thought. Not just that I believe we need a vision of the Lord and a vision of the lost, but I believe that we need a vision of our lives. A vision of our lives. Why? Because we're important? Not at all. In fact, if anything, we ought to be the people that John the Baptist spoke of for by, that he would increase and that we would decrease. We live in a generation and a culture whereby you're encouraged and taught. If you listen enough to the world's philosophy of life, you'll realise that the world's idea is you make sure you look after number one and you let everybody else look after themselves. Jesus says, prefer all their needs to yourself. Jesus says, put all theirs before you, but keep me first. That's what Jesus taught now. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be given unto you. But the world will teach you, you put yourself as number one. And you make sure you look after your household and your family and you forget about everybody else. But I have realized realized this, that Paul encouraged the church in Rome, uh, the believers in Rome, uh, encouraged them to do something that they needed to do. Not just an, as a one-off, a one-off offering, but as a daily offering. And he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in Romans 12 and 1, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Because Paul realized that man's life was important. And should I say, what man does with his life is important. So last year I reached the ripe old age of 40. I know that will surprise some of you this morning. I know you thought I was only a young fella. But last year I reached the ripe old age of 40. 40 years and where have they gone and I really can't tell you that 20 of those have been spent in Christian work my granny is 93 she gave up driving two years ago and uh, and uh, she gave up driving two years ago God has blessed her with a tremendous good mind and a powerful tongue and she can talk talk, I picked her up one day at her house she lives about about 15-20 minutes from where her mother and father live so my wife was sitting in the back and I was driving my granny was in the passenger seat so I picked her up at her house to go to my mother and father's for dinner and uh, I just kept looking at the wife at the back seat and I didn't say a word and my granny just started talking and she didn't stop talking until I got her into the car and she just kept ranting away the whole time now I don't know if there's is there anybody like you folks in here that do a bit of talking well anyway we better not go down that way not start any riots so I say to my granny what has 93 what has 92 years been like and she'll just say it's been a flash and really in the light of eternity it is a flash but the little challenge I want to leave with you this morning is simply this whether you're 40 or whether you're 60 or whether you're 80 you can do nothing about the past restitution yes if you know you've wronged a brother 
and you need to go back and apologize or you need to go and put something right, then restitution, yes, there's something I can do about the past. But other than that, there's not a thing I can do about the past. It's like water spilled on the ground. You can't gather it up again. It's gone. Gone for good. So what does that mean? Well, simply this. What am I going to do with what's left of my life? So if I'm spared them 82, half of my life is gone. Half, 50% is away. 50% left. If I reach 60, two-thirds of my life is gone. Two-thirds. <coughs> but if I reach the ripe old age of 42, I have only six months left to live. So am I trying to be dramatic? Not at all. I'm just trying to be real. The reality is, what am I going to do with what's left of my life? What are you going to do with what's left of your life? Are you going to use it to please and satisfy yourself? Or are you going to use it to glorify God and serve Him? You say, but Nigel, I can't go. The reality is, folks, God doesn't call every man to go. Not to foreign fields. But there are things that every one of us in the house of God this morning can do. God may call you to pray. And may I say this to you. You might not feel you have many abilities. But there are people who have got the gift of prayer. A ministry of prayer. And it's as important a ministry as preaching is. If not more important. There's a man called George Wheeler. I'm ever so sorry. Uh, George Mueller, as you know, was the man who, faith, uh, who, who started an orphanage in, in, down in Bristol. And God, if you haven't read his book, I would encourage you to read it. George Mueller literally stepped out in faith and he trusted God. And the, the orphanages he built and took and children off. But George Mueller once said, the faith that I have is no special gift from God. It is the same faith that any believer can have and enjoy. Let me ask, me, let me ask you as I finish. What are you going to do with what's left of your life? Are you going to use it to seek first the kingdom of God? Are you going to use it to seek first your own kingdom? For Isaiah, Isaiah, what are you going to do? He says, Lord, here am I. I'm available to you, whatever you want. May God bless you. And thank you for your patience.